Okay, Jay, I'm going to cut in really quick. We're at almost an hour and we haven't even gotten off the act one. So. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, this movie is like rich, honestly. Um, but basically, should we make it a two parter? Welcome back. It's season two. You are officially listening to The Freddy Files. Welcome back to Second whoa, Showing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We are leaving behind our beloved twins, Mary-Kate and Ashley, and we're moving into a little bit more mature fair with the one, the only, the heartthrob of the 90s, the man of our youth, the Mr. Sarah Michelle Geller, Freddie Prince Jr., Basically, for new listeners of the show, a lot of you guys have been with us for season one when we recapped the classic Mary-Kate and Ashley canon, the Dual Star Diaries. Um, But for the Freddy Files, we have selected 10 titles from peak Freddy Prince Jr. mania. uh, And they are I Know What You Did Last Summer, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, She's All That, Wing Commander, Down to You, Boys and Girls, Head Over Heels, Summer Catch, and Scooby-Doo 1 and 2. That's our list of 10. We really wanted to focus on Freddie Prince Jr. movies that felt like they were part of like the genre that you think of when you think of Freddie Prince Jr. So we wanted to focus on starring roles. We wanted to do movies that had stellar 90s casts. And we really wanted to do movies that had that teen movie feel that Freddie Prince Jr. was famous for. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you're looking closely at this list, guys, we are talking co-starring Rachel Lee Cook. We are talking co-starring Julia Stiles, Jessica Biel, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Jennifer Love Hewitt. I mean, he really, there's no misses on his co-stars with this list. So all of them sort of in varying degrees were like a major part of our uh, formative media years watching them. Again, we were not teenagers when these came out. We were kind of like preteens and young kids even. Um, but if you're familiar with the teen movie genre, that is frankly <laughs> who those movies are for. <laughs> um, and they're timeless. I definitely was watching them as a child, preteen, teen some of these They're movies I'm going to so have seen a, like fairly recently. And I'm talking about She's All That. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they were watched at slumber parties. You know what I, I feel mean? like when you guys listen to the podcast, you'll know the vibe that all these movies have. Because you know us. We're not completionists. This isn't going to be all the Freddie Prince Jr. movies, even though I'm sure they're all gems. This is just all the movies that have that vibe. These are these are the core movies. The, this, this is the pillar. This is the pillar of his career. Uh, Peak Freddie. Jay, what are we kicking off with? I feel like we got to jump into it. Um, the way this is going to work for people familiar with the format of the show, we're going to do a pre-watch segment in every episode where we just discuss what we remember about it. And then we're going to watch the movie off mic, come back and have a longer segment where we recap the movie and basically talk about how right or wrong our memories were, how the media kind of holds up in 2023 um, like we always say, back with bigger brains and even bigger mouths. Um, but yeah, we're ready to dive in. I don't know. What are we starting with? We are starting with I Know What You Did Last Summer. 
We're going to read the IMDb summary uh, on every episode. This movie came out in 1997. And then, Jay, you have the summary pulled up? It's short and sweet. Four young friends bound by a tragic accident are reunited when they find themselves being stalked by a hook-wielding maniac in their small seaside town. Okay, so a little lore that I am riffing on completely from memory, um, because I don't do my research, (laughs) is... This movie was written by Kevin Williamson or directed by Kevin Williamson? It's written by Kevin Williamson and Lois Duncan. Okay, so 90s movie heads will, 90s TV heads will recognize that name. He is the creator, writer of Dawson's Creek, uh, which is like along the same timeline in the same era, like a huge big deal and was a huge, massive part of our childhood. Um. It also was largely shot in the same area as Dawson's Creek in parts of North Carolina. The big like cliff scene at the beginning is in California, but it's basically shot in and around Wilmington. So that's exciting for us. We uh, must have mentioned on this podcast previously, but we spent a lot of time in Wilmington or around Wilmington growing up. We used to go to the beach out there in North Carolina as kids. So I feel very connected to this movie in that way. But beyond that, it's like every single person that was famous in 1997, Ryan Felipe, let's not get in an argument how to pronounce that, um, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prince Jr., um, the person that you said. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Jennifer Love um, Hewitt. Anne Heisch is in it. And guess who else is in it? Johnny Galecki, who would go on to be famous in The Big Bang Theory. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anne Heche is in this. Yeah, I know. Um, Fun fact about this movie, it is where Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. met. They wouldn't start dating, supposedly, until years later. And become, like, one of the most iconic Hollywood couples of all time, bar none. Oh, my gosh. Just absolute dreams and goals. One thing I love about our list is that we're starting with two... Sarah Michelle Gellar, Pretty Friend, yep. Freddie Prince Jr. movie. Yes, and we're bitch. With two. Yes. There's the symmetry Gellar can't Freddie be Jr. denied. Movies. That's what we're about on this podcast. True love. Yeah, that's the whole bag. Um, <laughs> I was like not sold on Scooby Doo, but Jay really fought for them. It really is tie a neat bow on the love affair between our two main actors, the two leads in this movie. I don't know if you could call her a lead. What I find so funny about this movie is that, yes, they met on this movie and they go on to be married, but. If my memory serves, Freddie Prince Jr. is the romantic interest of the girl who's Jennifer Love Hewitt. Jennifer I'm pretty sure. <laughs> There's two triple namers, both lead actresses. Three, are triple including namers. Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> oh my God, you're so right. There's three. His he's his main love interest is Jennifer Love Hewitt, and Sarah Michelle Gellar's love interest is Ryan Felipe. So they're not a couple in this movie the way they are in the Scooby-Doo movies. But regardless, two starring, headlining uh, roles there. Jade, what do you I, – I have some memory of this movie. I, I don't think I've seen it probably in the last five years, but probably in the last ten. What do you remember about the movie? I feel like I remember Sarah Michelle Gellar being like kind of bitchy. Yeah, she's kind of mean in this. She plays like a sorority girl. Hmm. It's so I funny. I think she comes back for the second one, too, but just at the beginning, because she's not like a lead in the second one. They replaced her with Brandy in the second one, if my memory serves. I 
think she dies in the second one, but that we can no, save she that dies for the next in this episode. one. She dies in this one. I totally, I vividly oh. remember it. She has like a very oh. famous like running from the guy with the hook and like throwing things in between her and him. Yeah. She's like a, a pageant yes. queen in this. Well, the main storyline certainly you remember is that this group of kids hit somebody and instead of telling anyone because they're kind of drinking and they're scared they just get rid of the fucking body and go on with their lives let me ask you this did you watch the amazon prime adaptation of this movie no i fucking fully did i watched every episode Definitely recommend. I will plug the. It was a single season. It got canceled. It's I know what you did last summer. This episode is not about that TV show, but I have got to tell you the twist on the basic storyline they did in the I know what you did last summer TV show. Not only do they hit someone, throw the body off a cliff, and go on with their lives in the TV show, the person they hit and the person driving the car are twin sisters <gasps> and they're coming back from a house party where she's been drinking and she has all of their friends in the car. They didn't manage to give her the sisters get in a fight at that party and they don't give her a ride home. So she is walking home and they hit her with the car. And the craziest, most bananas thing about all of it is at the party, they've traded sweatshirts or something and like they've traded necklaces or something <gasps> for some reason or something. Place. Yeah. And When the friends come up and are like, give us a ride, she doesn't bother correcting them that it's the wrong sister because she's mad at her sister or something. I kind of forget. But when they hit her sister with the car, she doesn't tell anyone it's her. And they she takes the identity of the sister that dies. So I know what you did last summer. Whole thing is like them figuring out that not only is the sister not dead, but that the sister they've got isn't the sister they think they've got. And I got to tell you guys, it ain't perfect. But as <laughs> spins on an original concept go, I'm 100% my seat is pulled up and my eyes are locked. It's fun. It's worth it. Go watch it. <laughs> Let me ask you this, because this is actually, I'm sure, based all on this movie. But this is the concept of a lot of like media right this idea of like what would you do if you accidentally killed someone like who would you call how would you get rid of the body like there's a lot of movies television shows based on that and like anything you do is dumb the number one thing you have to do is like get on record that it was an accident (laughs) as two children of a criminal defense attorney all of this media is ruined for us and it was even back then i remember watching it and being like it is utterly unrealistic that you would not call someone for help like Turn yourself you're not going to slip in. up at some point. Yeah. What you need to do immediately is get it on the record that it was an accident. Yeah. You have some level of plausible deniability if you ask for help than if you just let someone catch you and find out that you killed someone. It never made sense. I was never duped into thinking it was the right way to go. It always seemed like a ridiculous, silly plan. When it's like, no, you call a lawyer and then you have a lawyer and then they mm-hmm. help you not be in and then trouble. They, <laughs> it's someone like, smart who knows about the law helps exactly. you come up with a way to get away with murder. <laughs> yeah, it's so hilarious that it's like, 
I do feel like other people were watching this media, this media, and were like, "What a predicament!" And we were just like, "Oh, this is fake. Like you would never do this. This is the stupidest way to handle this possible." I would never yeah. be in this situation, so I don't know how I would handle it. And if I was, <laughs> I would call my dad. Um, that's it. Speaking from extreme privilege, but in general, um, don't try to get away with call it. Call a lawyer. So some fun facts that I did manage to pick up while I was looking at the IMDb about this movie um, is that apparently the director, whose name is Jim Gillespie, um, wanted Jeremy Sisto from Clueless to be in Freddie Prince Jr.'s Ooh, role. He would have been good. He was big back I know, then. he would have been good. No, he would have been good. He has a great voice and he's very tall. How did Freddie beat him out? Freddie won out because he auditioned and I mean, they just chose him oh, okay, over the director's <laughs> wishes. Interesting fact. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's not a part of the trivia, but I will say <laughs> that Freddie Prince Jr. gave an interview that was quoted in Vanity Fair that said that the director was made it so hard for him to be on this set because he was the director's first choice that he almost considered like quitting the business oh my god well he hasn't done much before this he has some supporting roles Mm -hmm. in like a parker posey movie he's in a movie with jamie kennedy about like some crazy vegas thing all of which we considered including and we just could not figure out a better way to start this than i know what you did last summer and i know what you did last summer it's just his first big breakout yeah yeah and that's what he says like that's what it seems like in the interview is like this was his first big thing where he like needed support and he didn't get it well so after the original premise where they hit somebody and they wipe it under the rug if my memory i think ryan felipe is going to be the um, aggressor the advocate for that bad plan and i think freddie prince jr is going to be the one who wanted to be honest (laughs) and tell the truth (laughs) um that someone died i mean just for the family's sake it's pretty outrageous pretty obnoxious um yeah but there's a time jump in it so definitely we're going to be getting some like bad wigs some hairstyle changes to cue the audience that like a year has passed Mm -hmm. um but after that it's a pretty classic slasher flick with a little bit aside of classic kevin williamson east coast like boating teen drama ambiance you know what i mean there's some nautical uh seaside town ambiance in this movie for sure when we were doing the mary kate nashley movies you said a couple times that you wanted to see what they would do if they had real like movie material to work with and that's what i'm excited about watching these movies these are going to be some like real teen they're going to be kind of juicy they're going to be drama and i'm excited to get into it I would guess we're going to get even more opportunities to be like bowled over at how much we got away with back then Um, Mm. because it's more adult content. I would guess someone like Ryan Philippe is not going to have a lot of fans um, between the hosts on this podcast. We'll see. I always think he plays kind of a bad guy. Yeah, I agree. And they have to have Freddie Prince Jr. sort of be like the soft, nice counterpoint. Nice doe eyes. Yeah. I don't know if Freddie ever really normally plays like the jerky jockey. I mean, kind of in She's All That, but it's just a mask. <laughs> Throughout the season, we'll really hone in who the Freddie Prince Jr. character is that he's bringing to all these movies. Um, not that I don't doubt his range, but I do think that we're going to start seeing like a real star potential come through that's going to have like some pretty common factors in them. So for season one, listeners will remember that at the end of every movie, we rated the movie on surrealism and on watchability. That was largely because every single one of those Mary Kate Ashley movies is full force bananas. 
Um, so for Freddy, we're going to rank it on two counts. We are going to rank the movie overall. That's the same watchability score that we have from season one. And then we are going to rank Freddy's the richness of Freddy's role and how well he delivered him specifically. What's his best role? When does he really perform? What does he light up? And we're going to start drawing some connective patterns about where he really shines. I think he's a comedian myself. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to be leaning comedian, but he's going to get some opportunities for some serious dramatic turns. Uh, We're going to keep an eye on it. I think he's going to give a, Timothée soft boy in some of these. I think he's going to so. give like sweet. It's funny cuz he almost he's ventures almost into uh Seth Cohen Adam Brody territory but he doesn't quite have the neuroses. Like he's yeah. still a little too straight-laced to hit that area. Yeah, I don't I don't see nerd coming for us from Freddy. So we're going to get started. We're going to watch I Know What You Did Last Summer. But before we do, Connor, I think you have a couple announcements. Yes, I do. So for our friends and fans that follow us on Patreon, we are going to be wrapping up Two of a Kind. We've been doing that rewatch um, on our Patreon. You guys have been following along. And for season two, we're going to start the TV show Freddy which Mr. Freddie Prince Jr. headlined and starred in in 2005. It ran for one season. We're going to be re-watching that on the Patreon along with the music videos he starred in, famously including Sixpence Another Richer. And I believe Blink-182. Yeah, so he's in a couple of music videos we're going to watch and talk about on the Patreon along with his insane buried sitcom TV show from 2005. Um, secondarily, we also have new Freddie merch up on secondshowing.com. So go over there, shop around a little, get something with Freddie's face on it. You know, you want it. We've got you covered. Um, and then lastly, you guys can still stream all of season one, the dual star diaries anywhere you pod. So if you guys want to catch up on season one, get a little bit of feel for how we do things over there. It's there for you. If you guys leave us a review, we are going to shout out our five-star reviewers. So, okay, predictions. Um, I think we're going to start strong. I'm pretty sure this one's better, at least than the sequel, although I know I love the sequel as well. I don't know. This list, we're going to have to talk about what we think is going to be the best one when it comes up, but I think this one's going to be up there. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. And I honestly don't know if you know this about me, but I've been kind of having a scary movie like renaissance. I've never been a big scary movie person. But like this past year, I tried to like really get into it. I've been I like watched The Exorcist for the first time. And I was like, I'm a change woman. Oh, I love scary movies. I've like always been kind of a scaredy cat, but I've been getting into it a little bit. So I'm excited to watch this. Especially these. This is like its own genre onto itself. The 90s scary movies like Scream is not the same movie as The Exorcist. You know what I mean? Scream also written by Kevin Williamson. I know, right? He (laughs) follows us. Um, I have to say, if you're on a scary movie kick, you got to watch um Halloween H2O starring Michelle Williams and Josh Hartner. <laughs> uh it's very good. But you know what this episode isn't about that. We are going to go watch I know what you did last summer. Hello and welcome back. We just watched like maybe the most fun movie we've ever watched ever. Uh, We're going to talk about it. We're amped. 
It's the Freddy Files. Here we go. The Freddy Files. Here we go. I know. Honestly, my first thought was like, these are not Mary Kate and Ashley movies. Yeah. Like, Jay texted that the- to me. She was like, this is just going to be different than watching like the kids movies. Yeah, it's like the cinematography is there. The like yeah. money is there. The like costumes are there. Like it's just so exciting. This was a real movie. To see them all. Like even, you know, obviously we know FPJ is the, you know, going to be a standout from these movies. The thing that stood out to me as I was watching the first scene of this movie with um Ryan Philippe and Sarah Michelle Gellar in it. And I was like, this is so weird. It's like looking at like an alternate universe yeah. because um, like obviously Ryan Philippe and Reese Witherspoon were married for a long time. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they're kind of the same type. Like this is like an alternate universe where like Sarah Michelle Gellar and Ryan Philippe are like playing opposite each other, just completely forgetting the fact that like obviously they play opposite each other in Cruel Intentions too. Oh my God, they do. You're completely right. It's because she has brown hair. You never remember. Yeah, you never remember. Also, I want to say, this is a Kevin Williamson joint. It's a beachy summer town. There's more that meets the eye, like what's crawling under the surface. Uh, But this was his big, like, bang. I feel like this was when people were like, Kevin Williamson is a thing. And then, am I crazy or is he involved in Vampire Diaries, too? You're definitely not crazy. He's definitely involved in Vampire Diaries. I think he wrote Scream after he wrote this. Well, I feel like you can see this, like, bones of that in this with the bonfire scene where they're describing the, like, classic urban legend of the guy with the hook hand. That's very similar, honestly, to the setup of Scream where it's like, do you love horror movies? Like, which one's your favorite? Like, what would you do if you were in a horror movie? You're fully right. And, like, the Vampire Diaries, like... Honestly, Vampire Diaries is the culmination of his Dawson's Creek roots and his uh, yeah, like fully. early 2000s horror movie well, um, genre. Before we get into it, let's talk about Freddie Prince Jr. He mm-hmm. was at first I was like, oh, he's kind of the star in the beginning of the movie because he's driving the car and he seems to be very against the whole idea. But then as we get into the movie, Jennifer Love Hewitt is very clearly the the star of the movie. The star. Yeah. Um. Freddie Prince Jr. is actually, like, in this movie the least. I know. I know. Of the main four. Because yeah. they, you know, we'll get into it. We'll talk about, you know, how they try to set well, it up. But be, they do yeah. set him a little bit opposite the other three for a very specific reason. But it means he's mm-hmm. in it less. And it's like, I there was times where I was like, I don't know if Freddie Prince Jr. is, like, aware that they're trying to do this bait and switch or they're trying to, like, have a reveal for the audience. So he's playing it kind of weird. Or if Freddie Prince Jr. is just, like, not quite nailing the acting part. Yeah, I know. I had that thought, too. You know what I mean? Where it's like, time, honestly, too, should someone maybe not have told him that reveal and he would be a little less, like, kind of suspicious the whole time? I don't know. I know there is a moment when they're on the beach where he's trying to like kind of earnestly tell them the hook story. And then at the very end, it like zooms in on his face and you can tell that he's like saved the reveal for the end because he knows that that like made everyone uncomfortable and like was creepy and was a successful telling of the story. And I was like, is that what we're trying to do like throughout the whole movie? Was it successful? I don't think so. And what I actually thought of the whole time was that the director didn't want him to be this character and like whether or not that impacted his final performance and his like final amount of screen time 
we talked about this in the pre-watch that the director wanted somebody else to play this role and like honestly gave Freddie Prince Jr. a really hard time the whole oh time my they were God. on set. But I'm like, maybe that's why Freddie Prince Jr., the actor, is like not in, in the movie that much, even though he honestly is like the main character's love interest. Yeah. He's like all tied up in the mystery. And like, he has like a lot of his own sort of outside the main group things that are revealed about, that are going on yeah yeah, that are going on with him i do want to say like if it's not clear like i love this movie i think it is an american oh, i enjoyed classic i enjoyed the crap out of like it. not Absolutely. ironically like for sure there's parts of it yeah. that are cheesy i love this movie and i highly recommend it we are definitely starting off strong it reminds me of our early days of season one where we started with it takes <laughs> we two. started so strong no um, i completely agree i think this movie has just the right amount of um like being scary you know what i mean like yeah. jump scares there's like the urban legend gory. element to it yeah but it's also just literally entertaining like a lot of it is clearly trying to be like funny interesting different like yeah kind of the way we get with scream yeah well, should we get into it? Yeah, let's let's get into okay. it. Okay. Uh, so this like threw me the fuck off at the beginning. The very first scene of this, which they come in on the most metal soundtrack. Like I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of like how it's like this scenic view. And then it's so scary. My first thought, this is not the East Coast. This is absolutely the West Coast. It's too cliffy <laughs> and rocky and stuff. Those are, they're on the West Coast. They were shot in California off of Interstate 1 or whatever. But the rest of the movie is the the East Coast. They're in North Carolina, yeah. actually in South. One thing about Kevin Williamson is he is going to set something in Cape Cod, film it in North Carolina, yeah. and name it after Dawson. Yeah, 100%. I did Dawson's Beach. I was like, oh my God, wink, 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 wink. <laughs> Kevin, we see you. Um, but... I just don't think a, a place like this exists. You guys should like send us a place that does that has that like beachy, sleepy East Coast crabbing fishing community vibe of the town and is also like set on a very cliffy West Coast. Like I just don't think the place exists. So they did both. No, yeah. They use both coasts and I can't fault them for that. <laughs> it's very effective. But when we open, this like blew my mind. We open on this kid sitting on the cliff and I was like watching it like, and for those of you who follow us on our Patreon, you can see my live reaction. <laughs> but I could not believe that they show us who they kill. I hadn't remembered that at all. I was like, they they put a face to the kid that they knock off. I don't remember that. I thought this whole thing was like, who is it? Is he dead or alive? Is it a friend? Is he? Did he never really die? I thought the whole thing's a mystery. So I was like shocked to see them kind of tell us. And of course, it comes to be revealed that it's a misdirect. But they show us at least who you're supposed to remember. Wait, there was a guy on the on the cliffs at the beginning of the movie that must be who they hit who else would be out there i had no memory of that he had extremely 80s hair honestly this is still confusing to me because oh, i can tell you exactly I what happened pretty much put him together as the guy that they were gonna kill but then like later in the movie there's very much like the reveal of the person that is stalking um, them stalking them and i'm like am i supposed to think these are the same person see that I is what gets confusing is because it's like either you didn't kill the person you think you've killed but they've got a name you know we'll get to it we'll get to it it is confusing though i was like who is this guy 
if if yeah. he can't be the killer and be the person they killed, you know? And it's like they don't look enough alike for me to be like immediately put it together that it's the same person, but they don't look different enough. Yeah, for I know. Me to it's a white guy. That they're not it's the fully same a brunette white guy. With like a mullet. Yeah. Uh, and it is a very like 80s winged hair. It was odd, I thought. Like almost yeah, like he was like out was- of time. And you'll notice you know small detail he's like spinning one of those i love you keychains where you can only read the full message when it's in motion when it's spinning and then when it's still it's like either side of the keychain has like one half of the message anyway i don't know if you've seen these before i've definitely seen them and he's like spinning it and they kind of end with him like he looks off down the road like he heard something or like what was that and then we don't see him again for a little while because we go to the croaker beauty pageant in southport north carolina it's wild to me, the names that are chosen for this movie. I know. I kept wanting like, to call it the Windjammer pageant from Dawson's Creek because <laughs> it is the same concept, literally. Sarah Michelle Geller is in the show and all her homies are up in the peanut gallery, which I actually found very cute. This is the first time you see Freddie Prince Jr., our baby boy, Ryan Felipe, mm-hmm. who for all the purposes of this show, I'm going to say Felipe, like suck it. I don't know what it is. It could be Felipe, Felipe. It's an ongoing debate. I don't really care personally. I was raised to believe it was Felipe and I, I'm too old to change it now. Yeah. Yeah, who cares? And uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, and I think it's very cute. They're all up there. Clearly, Ryan Philippe is uh, is uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's boyfriend because he keeps talking about how his property looks so good in the light. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was terrible. Ryan Philippe is so terrible in this movie. It is like the, 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 the abusive, violent outbursts. It's so nuts. And it's so sort of like, he's just a jock. It's crazy how normalized it is when it's like this man absolutely grows up to beat his wife for sure. <laughs> it's so crazy. I kept thinking like, if this movie were made today, Ryan Philippe is the villain. The, the, like, they, the like, villain he would be arrested. It's so crazy. It's so insane. And it's like, but he's so hot and he's just popular. That's all it is. No, and it's like just boys. It's very like boys will be boys. I know. Well, I mean, to that point, I was blown away out of my chair. Freddie Prince Jr., who is the nice guy in this movie? Mm -hmm. The good guy. Freddie Prince Jr.'s first line is about boobies. The first words out of his mouth, he says to his friend about his friend's girlfriend, her breasts are so ample. It was crazy. It was crazy. His own girlfriend is sitting there. Also, I'm like, not the first words Freddie Prince Jr. ever committed to film being about his future wife's breast. It's <laughs> like, so ra- crazy. And this isn't his like exactly his first film, but I think anyone would be crazy not to argue this wasn't his like first breakout role or starring role. But yeah, I mean, he goes on to marry her, but damn, I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? And at one point, Jennifer Love Hewitt says, guys, I'm on sexist overload. And frankly, so are we. It was bizarro town. It's <laughs> so weird because it could have like, been so wholesome that they're like cheering for their friend, but they're like, naturally, we're going to objectify her from the balcony. <laughs> like, don't be crazy. <laughs> don't be crazy. And Jennifer Love Hewitt's like, oh my gosh, like shoulders bumping. We're all just laughing, giggling, having a good time. And I'm like, this Ew. is so gross. Like... Jennifer, you don't have to let them speak about women. (laughs) It is weird the way that film and television, like when we were growing up, like flirtation, like aggressive flirtation between friends was like very normalized. And that like 
if you're hot, even your guy friends will like not be able to refrain from commenting on it constantly. And that's a, that's actually like very friendly and very flattering. Like I think of like Xander Harris, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like mm-hmm. to constantly be suggesting that if you could, you would with like your friends is such an odd dynamic between male and female friends that I think is like extremely I mean, unhealthy. Yeah, for it's people. just a quick way to like not have that friend anymore. Well, sure now, but that's exactly what I'm saying. The media back then portrayed it very much so that that would be the way your good friends treated you. Right. But I like I agree that that's the way the media portrayed it. But I think that's because most media was created by men. Like I think even in 2001, if Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. were real people, she'd be like, she'd be like, okay, yeah. Like and honestly, the perfect example of this is after the beauty pageant, they all go to the like after party. And we get introduced to this character, Max, that clearly has a crush on Jennifer Love Hewitt. And he's like a nerd. And he's like the guy from the Big Bang Theory. And he's like, we've been friends a long time. Like, let me take you out. Like, you have to let me say goodbye. And And she's like, she's very clearly like, no, but like doesn't want to be mean, which is like just a classic dilemma to find yourself in. But like, and he's like. I'm your friend. Like, you owe me this. Let me say goodbye. And it's and sh- it's just so like we've been friends but for so not long. My friend. You can't leave without yeah. saying goodbye. And she's like, I like don't want to hang out with you though, and I don't owe but you. But also, it's like shit. that's not what you asked me. You asked to take me out. Yeah, yeah. They like, definitely try to set him up as a creep. I do want to just one last thing from when they are in the balcony. Point out there's like a weird exchange where like so ultimately Sarah Michelle Geller does win. And they celebrate, but she wins with this sort of answer about how she's going to go on to become a serious actress and she's going to save the world by bringing art to the masses, which sounds like bullshit. But I noticed that it's like Freddie Prince Jr. looks at Julie, who is our uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and is like, do you feed her this shit? And she kind of is like, yeah, like Julie helped her. And I'm like, does Freddie Prince Jr. not think Sarah Michelle Gellar could think of that utterly lame answer on her own, like that they had to like workshop that together? Just something I want to point out, because it is sort of suggested that, like, although they're best friends, they're opposites. Jennifer Love Hewitt is going to go off to be a lawyer. She's going to go to school in Boston. Sarah Michelle Gellar wants to go be an actress. And it's like they kind of are set up as in that way, even though they, they never are in opposition to each other. It's just very clear that, like, one of them is the bimbo and one of them is smart, which is just a very classic. There's not really room for more than that. <laughs> A pretty classic dynamic of the four of them, right? Like there's two brunettes yeah. and they're in love and they're serious and deep. Yes. And then there's two blondes and they're, ri- and they're, going they're to be writers sort of in love, but they're mostly just in fucking. lust. Yeah. And they're both like, you know, jocks, himbo bimbo, like. Drinking, drinkers, partiers. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally like agree. party girl beauty pageant thing. And it's uh, it's just stereotype. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're doing the scary movie stereotype. And even the nice guy, like there's always like. I think another thing that bothers me, and I only bring up the way the media portrays it, because while you're right, I do think even back then women would have an issue with it. You do learn what you should and shouldn't have an issue with from watching things. So I do Mm -hmm. think it is like it's worth talking about that, like probably in real life, people didn't talk that way even then. But you are seeing it. And it's like, you know, I I bring this up to make the point that Ryan Philippe is consistently gross in front of Freddie Prince Jr., in this sort of first act one of the movie and Freddie Prince Jr. is constantly just like oh man dog and I'm like what it would do in the lives it would change for a fellow guy who by the way is supposed to be written as the nice guy to say to him shut the fuck up 
Like literally, bro, yeah. you sound so gross. It would change everything. The girls can say it all day long and he would never change a thing. Barry doesn't give a fuck because this kind of behavior is on display to impress men. That's why men do this. It would take mm-hmm. a second man to be like, that's actually not fucking cool. And I think you're lame as fuck. And I just would like to point that out because boys don't do it and boys should do it. And that's how things change. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I agree. I got to be honest. I think Freddie Prince Jr. also exhibits a lot of really yep. concerning behavior. For in sure. This movie. <laughs> like, he really He does. may be billed as the nice guy, but he's not necessarily. That is like the whole one. concerning thing that like between the two of them, they're like the audience will gravitate to this nice guy. And he actually is also such deep trash. Um, yeah. love you, uh, Freddie Prince. But so yeah. <laughs> I, like you were saying, after she wins the show, there's a big celebration at the beach party. Right. And this is where I first was mm-hmm. like, this is like Wilmington, North Carolina area. They've kind of moved now. Like we're definitely in uh, on the East Coast. And OK, mm-hmm. let's talk about Sarah Michelle Geller's sister, because oh, this character, bitch. Elsa, and they don't go into it. If they ever could have given us one scene that was like Elsa used to be the prom queen, but then she her little sister like dethroned whatever it is because this girl who by the way is the bride from um the wedding planner who matthew mcconaughey doesn't marry um she's gorgeous it's crazy she wasn't like just as popular as anyone else in this movie she's so beautiful but she is a fucking dick to sarah michelle geller like i've never seen needlessly mean Mm -hmm. in every single scene she like seeks her out walks up to her to be like so sarah michelle geller is 18 she's graduating high school she just won the fucking not windjammer pageant the fucking you know what i mean like croaker pageant carolina whatever yeah and she walks up to her and is like you're a little piece of shit (laughs) or whatever she says (laughs) it's so crazy she's like tell mom i'll be late tonight like i don't know celebrating the fact that i'm a graduate and i just won this competition and this sister's like uh a twit with a wit or whatever she says and it's right out of the gate. And the weird thing about this scene is you only come to find out it is her sister later. I mean, I guess she does say, tell mama be late. So I'm completely, I made that up. Like, it's supposed to be obvious right away. But at least me watching it, I was like, who the fuck is this person that is so randomly yeah. mean to her that it's almost even crazier later when you figure out it's her sister. And you're like, why? Just why? It's like, are you supposed to think that, like, she's jealous of Sarah Michelle Gellar? I think so. I feel like that's the only thing you're really given. But I do agree that this woman is also, like, stunningly gorgeous. So that doesn't really make sense. It's just... And I, I feel like they could have made it... Here with this idea of Sarah Michelle Gellar as, like, a beauty queen that needs to be humbled. And yeah. And like, the sister is a foil to that. Yeah. That is very... Um, like why not barbie summer it's not barbie summer yeah and it's like i almost feel like they could have written it so that they just bickered like sisters bicker like they could have written it so it's like they're irritated with each other but she's crazy no it's vitriol it's vitriol there yeah there are scenes in this movie where it's like uh, it like it's just inexcusable and we'll get into it later but it's like it's so cruel Yeah. yeah i and i there's no real reason given And then we did cover that you meet Max, who is, I think there is some ambiguity here with people's backgrounds because he says we've been friends our whole lives. So is Julie kind of like maybe was a nerd and has now achieved hot girl status kind of recently? Because they also suggest that Ray hasn't necessarily, Ray is Freddie Prince Jr., been friends with them forever. Like they kind of suggest, I don't know, it's odd. Like we'll talk about it because it comes up a little bit later, but you know, 
Freddie Prince Jr. says something like, he's always hated you guys. And it's like, why you guys, but not Freddie Prince Jr.? Are the three of them, you know, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Philippe, and Jennifer um, Love Hewitt, are they kind of always have been popular? I don't know. I just didn't get it. Like, why would Ray be left out of that? Is he like a thoughtful, new, like dorky kid? Because he doesn't really seem to be friends with Ryan Philippe. They seem to be hanging out because their girlfriends are best friends. See, I don't think that I do really agree with that. I think that they are supposed to be friends the way that like boys are always kind of friends where, where it's like, like stuck being friends. we're in the same area. So yeah. we're friends. You know what I mean? And it's like, I know um, he's not kind necessarily of a dick, boys but in real life, but like boys oh, in these definitely movies. boys in real life. I know he kind of sucks, but he's always been my buddy. So and it's like, yeah, but like, yeah, your buddy I mean, sucks. the thing with Jennifer Love Hewitt and the like Max character is what I was just saying earlier. I thought like maybe she is like on honor roll and he's on honor roll you know what I mean like maybe they're both in the same smart kid clubs I don't know but more than anything what it really gives is like she's nice to him in math class because she's a nice person Mm -hmm. and he's taken that to mean a lot their friend yeah exactly and now it's her problem that he's confused yeah and now it's her problem and she's like oh he clearly has this crush on me like it just comes up every time we interact with this kid right yeah is that like he clearly has a crush on me so it's like on me to make sure he doesn't make our lives hard by continuing to like be nice to him and he takes that as like some sort of um entitlement like ownership over her yeah some sort of like entitlement to her um that she just has to navigate honestly the whole movie even years later um which is just classic honestly like (laughs) well so um, you know ryan philippe gets all up in this guy's face which even though max a dick there's just nothing that ryan philippe does in this whole movie that's called for i'm gonna start calling him barry it's too big a mouthful there's nothing Barry does this whole fucking movie that's necessary. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. How'd we get there, dog? How did we get there? Let's check the temper. I, I, I mean, he's just violent. He's yeah, like a he violent, is, creepy crazy. person. I think Ryan Philippe, like does not have any range. Like, I actually personally don't think Ryan Philippe is very good. But it, you see this kind of in Cruel Intentions, too, where there's parts of it that are so uneven because he doesn't know exactly how to play it. So he goes full rage. And you're like, where did this come mm-hmm. from? And I do think that that is just what's happening. He goes full nutty. And it's just, it's, it's, you'd be afraid of this person. But basically he comes up to Max and is like, get out of here, chum bait. Cause just cause he's a dick. And it's like, fuck Max. But also what? Like it was this era of like bullying is just like a fun pastime for good looking people. <laughs> it's like, okay. Ryan Philippe just is face forward into violence at every chance he gets and it's he leans literally in. weird yeah i mean and yeah. then to like calm her crazy abusive husband um sarah michelle Gallagher is like let's all just move down to dawson's creek and she's so dawson's creek let's dawson's move down creek. to dawson's creek <laughs> let's definitely do that but let's move down to mm-hmm. dawson's beach she says and mm-hmm. it is giving like this is your future madam the way it's like okay i'll just distract yeah. him by seducing him or like dangling some opportunity for sex so that he doesn't beat the fuck out of someone for no reason. Yeah, the two things he cares about, yeah. violence and, and sex. sex. Exactly. Well said. So <laughs> we move down to Dawson's Beach. This is where they're just for sure at El Matador somewhere on the West Coast. Yeah, um, totally. It's very Greece. Yeah, I, I would say I can delineate exactly where they were like, we shot this part in California and then we shot. I mean, the main bulk of it is definitely in a North Carolina and South Carolina, like kind of swampy Southern East Coast. Yeah, the like Spanish moss vibe. Yeah, but not this. <laughs> this is the West Coast. <laughs> um, so they're sitting along the beach, and you were talking about this. 
I want to actually discuss, like I heard these, I can remember being at like little league soccer, waiting for it to be our soccer game and people talking about like the hook and then the hook was left in the door, like kids, like hearing these urban legends. And they sort of have this debate about like how the story goes where it's like, no, it's a tap, tap, tap on the window because it's hook. And then Sarah Michelle Gellar, Helen, I'm going to make that adjustment too. Helen is like, no, it's a drip, drip, drip from a severed head. And obviously to illustrate, like the point I think is that um, they have heard many versions of this story and that there just exist many versions and that everyone hears kind of a different one with some overlap or some similarities. Um, and that it's all just cautionary tales, urban legends. Yeah. And Jennifer Love Hewitt even has a whole thing because she's the smart one. Oh, exactly. About- she's the smart one. Yeah. <laughs> about how it's not a real story. It's like a cautionary tale for women about having premarital sex and how like um to scare you. The yeah, to, to being alone with a man like get going in Don't cars in, with boys. Get in your car yeah. with a boy. Yeah. Exactly, which um honestly is something that I kind of want to talk to you about about this movie and we'll talk about it a little bit later with when we skip the year but it's like i think this movie has some of that the like this is a cautionary tale yeah don't go drinking i mean don't drink and drive i think it's a great co- thing to take away from yeah, this but I except that ray that isn't little. drinking they say that yeah. he's not you know what i mean so it's like it doesn't really demonize drinking although it kind of does because ray is so violent i mean Bo- uh, bobby berry is so fucking violent and crazy um I don't know. I don't know that it makes that connection because I would argue it's actually very the, the movie actually leaves a lot of space and sympathy. Ultimately, these, all these kids, crazy kids belong together. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that the way that everybody ends up after the year jump is not necessarily different. So, OK, sorry. We'll <laughs> just okay. like, get into this. But it's like. So while they're on the beach, Sarah Michelle Geller has a moment that I think is important where she's talking to Ryan Philippe. They're like making out and she's basically like lining up what their future next to Oh, yeah. It's like they get like. wasted and she gets excited talking about their future. And I wrote and down she's that like, she I'm says, gonna- I'll let you impregnate me, which crazy, crazy, insane line to write, whoever wrote it. <laughs> and then she was like with the first of three babies. And then she goes before you go off to rehab, which I was like, what is this future she's envisioning? He's going to become uh, a big jock superstar. I forgot what fucking sport he plays football, basketball, something. Football? Yeah, I don't remember. And then before Probably you go off to rehab. And I'm like, so she's kind of nagging him too with this little like projection. Yeah, with this idea that he's an alcoholic. I mean, yeah, she is nagging him. But basically, she has pretty high expectations. She's going to be on a soap opera, which is yeah. funny because Sarah Michelle Gellar was on a soap opera. She does go on to do that, yeah. <laughs> um, um, and Ryan Philippe is going to be like a pro ball player in whatever sport that Ryan Philippe plays. Yeah. Um, and they're going to stay together and they're going to have three kids and they're going to be incredibly successful. And they're honestly pretty um, – like outlandish dreams that they have. Yeah. Um, and I think that that sets up what I think the cautionary tale of the movie is. We also learn that Freddie Prince Jr. is going to go to New York and he's going to be a writer. Oh, yeah. That's something I wanted like- to like stop on is it's very interesting to me that they are categorized in the way that you said the fun bimbo blondes and the serious smart brunettes. But Helen and Freddie Prince Jr., Helen and Ray are who are going to New York and neither of them are going to college. And then 
Barry and Julie are who are going to Boston to school. And they actually go to school together. They mention later. They're mm-hmm. going to the same school. So they do split up the couples and opposite the couples. And then, of course, where people actually end up, you know, is different or remains to be seen at this point in the movie. But it is interesting to me that, ev- that they are going two and two into the future. Yeah. Well, I think that falls along different lines. That's um, so we've got like smart and bimbo, but then where they end up actually falls along the like class lines. Yeah. Because Barry can go to this expensive You're private so right. school that Julie got into because he's rich. Yeah. And, um, Ray doesn't, isn't rich. And that does seem to be the thing that separates him from the other three of them. Um, so he's not going to school. He's going to go to New York and try to, you know, make that work. And but I would say Helen. Helen does not seem rich either. I mean, Helen's family owns a business in town, but I think that's a very astute observation. Like I had not noticed that you're right. It is like Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar are the poor ones. And Julie and Barry, Ryan Philippe are who are going off to college. Yeah. And of course it doesn't matter that Helen is poor because she's so pretty. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that'll help. It will help. But so these are the dreams that they have for their future. Um, Julie's going to be this like big fancy lawyer and she's going to go to this Ivy League school and he's going to be like this moody writer. And, you know, she's worried that he's going to like fall in love with some moody writer. But what I think the like motif of the movie is, is that when we catch up with them a year later, not all of these dreams have come true, but not necessarily in ways like in very in ways that they would have naturally not come true. Anyways, well, also the two kids, even though they all experienced the same trauma, the two kids that had a good plan and had money and have a backup plan and have a safety net are the kids who ultimately ended up going through with their plans. It's Ray. Yeah, it's Ray and Helen that don't get to go. I mean, you know, we'll get there. We'll we'll talk about Helen's journey and stuff. But I do think that's very interesting. That's the motif that I want to know if, like, you notice as well is, like, this idea of, like... I didn't. um, Losing the idealism of your youth in this moment. And then the things that happen after that, obviously, in the movie are a reflection of what happened last summer. But not necessarily things that wouldn't have happened anyways. Yeah. Very predictable sort of routes people take. It's, like, all very much less glamorous, actually, after you get your boots Yeah, than what you were hoping the last night on the beach. Exactly. So this is weird to me, and I I don't understand why we get it twice. Um, But I want to take note of it because I was like, what the fuck? It's like a throwback. Right before they, like, you know, suggest that they have sex on the beach. This is every 90s movie. I don't know why this was the universal signal. Sorry, you're talking about Jennifer Love Hewitt and Yeah, sorry. Freddie Jennifer Love Hewitt and okay. Freddie Prince Jr. We've already got um, Barry and Helen being bimbos talking about how they can get <laughs> impregnated and <laughs> wasted. <laughs> but then they, like, pan over to this private moment. And, of course, again, it's the juxtaposition between the physicality of the blonde bimbos and of the smart brunettes where it's, like, they're actually, like, waxing poetic, talking about how they love each other. They're not just, like romping around and humping it seems like they haven't done it before yeah exactly so he says to julie nobody gets me like you and she says i understand your pain weird call a weird thing to say 
in response to nobody gets me like you like okay sure I can't tell if she's like chiding him I don't even know if Jennifer Love Hewitt can tell if she's chiding him but she goes to take off her sweater and he goes are you sure and she's like yeah and they slowly (laughs) lay in the sand and it's like you can take off your sweater and like have a little shirtless hug action like I I like to believe that a boy in 1997 would say are you sure that is a great sign you know great representation of consent the way it should work but it's weird to me that he asks her this with the moment she exposes her left shoulder it's like why the, the like <laughs> it's because they won't in the movie go further than that but like why the are you sure? And it's like, wait, she has to Honestly, give consent at the R-rated first Honestly, it's movie. There's no That's reason crazy. they couldn't have, like, really gone further than that. But I do think it's funny that it's like, I, like, if I were making a spoof of this movie, I totally would have had her be like, oh, no, I, like, got bit, like, am I sure of what? Like, I'm hot. You know what I mean? Like, it is the second she's like, hmm, like, let me just remove my it outer layer. And it's, like, so, it's, it's it feels so choreographed, <laughs> like, and then she'll move to open her sweater and you'll ask, are you sure? But I do think you're right. It's just a throwaway thing to suggest that they lost their virginities together that night. Mm-hmm. So they're serious. And but remember that weird, I understand, nobody gets me like you, I understand your pain. Because it's basically the last fucking line of the movie. And I'm like, why is that the callback? Yeah. I just like did not, I didn't follow them down that path. Anyways. Totally. I think it's one of those things where it's like Freddie Prince Jr. Clearly they hint at him having more more backstory than he does actually end exactly up no i think you're right i think some shit got cut because i'm not following mm-hmm. um yeah. so in the car ryan Philippe is a dick again like just the worst he's being such an asshole at one point julie's like can you say alcoholic and i think helen and barry both are offended like sarah michelle geller is offended on her boyfriend's behalf she's like okay bitch you know um, but also, she is the Sarah Michelle Geller in the back is like, oh, Barry, stop! Like she's tired. Oh, of I know, well. but I hated this for her when he wants to drive, and they're all like, "You fucking can't drive. If anyone can't drive, yeah. you can't drive. You're the one person." And she again for the second time in the first twenty minutes of this movie distracts him by being like, "Come in the back seat with me. I'll let you do stuff to me," which is just like, what a drag. That was a real bummer. A to see her pull that same tactic again, where it's like he's getting violent. He's trying to get behind the wheel. I'll save us all with my feminine wiles but b Mm -hmm. that she would find it very normal to let her boyfriend do what he will with other people in the car i was like oh yeah fuck man dog hated that for her luckily nothing goes giving that scene in drive me crazy Uh with designated favorite movie yeah, where he's like yeah. trying to get it on with designated drive drawing. Everyone like, watched Drive like, Me have Crazy. Some sense of like what's going yeah. on and like and respect, respect for other people. Yeah, for yeah, totally. Go watch Drive Me Crazy. Um. <laughs> anyway, it's luckily he doesn't seem to come after her that much because right away he's got his head through the moonroof. Here's what I want to say about this whole thing. This is so crazy to me. I think kids would do that. I think they've shown you doing that a lot. I feel like a lot of movies have these like centerpiece where it's like I was a dumb kid who like put. But Freddie Prince Jr., they establish, hasn't been drinking, is sober, Mm -hmm. and is driving. When he Mm -hmm. does that, at first, they're kind of like, Barry, chill out, like, get down. Because someone is in control of the car. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When he drops the alcohol bottle and things really start to spin out and you can feel that adrenaline of things kind of getting out of control, why the fuck doesn't Freddie Prince Jr. just stop the car? 
If if they had said Freddie Prince Jr. is not the designated driver, he just was able to wrestle it aft, out the keys off of a much more violent drunk person, fine. Then he wouldn't maybe not have the wherewithal to like slow down or like understand that he actually can just stop the whole incident instantly, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he continues to drive. And that's the part where I was like, no way, dog. Like once there's alcohol spilled and he's standing and everyone's screaming, just stop the fucking car. You're on a remote street. You know, it'd be even another thing if they were in traffic. If he was in a ton of traffic, you can't stop. They're on an abandoned street and he basically just speeds into a motherfucker. And I was like, I got to (laughs) say, I just don't. It seems like unless they were all trashed, why couldn't Freddie Prince Jr. have just stopped the car? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it doesn't really make sense. Like, I didn't think about it like that, but you're totally right. Um they're kids, I guess. Yeah. But also, I think Freddie Prince Jr. simply is not as smart as yeah. I'm like supposed Led to, to believe. believe that he exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. Like he does all. Like this is just the beginning of me, my jaw dropping every time he opens his mouth in the rest of this scene. <laughs> like, so he doesn't stop the car, and he does like hit someone something and this part was very like i didn't remember this that they don't know what they've done for a good like oh god three minutes of the movie and And it was brutal just just real for realism's sake ryan philippe would have flown out of that sunroof there is no way he could hold on he's not buckled up he's toppling his center of gravity is out of the he car is more than it's thrown in the car. from the Absolutely. car like He'd people who aren't buckled car. get thrown through the windshield like yeah. he was fully out of the car yeah i mean i completely agree about that well like, he kind of like slams forward and i thought it was actually really good where he pulls his head up and his too. face is bleeding and you're like oh shit and then he kind of goes it's not my blood and you're like what like how Bone disorienting chilling. would that be because you can't maybe you can't feel that pain right away so you're like oh my god oh my god there's blood everywhere and then you're like wait i don't think i'm hurt like you know what i mean yeah, i thought it was very good bone chilling and it's honestly a great like like costume piece throughout the rest of this yeah. scene that he just has this like blood smeared across blood and especially because his character is just so hardcore he's so hardcore scary that it makes him even more violent and scary that he has just this blood thrasher i thought it was great it's so good i I thought it was good like this is what i'm saying where i'm like this is a real movie like choices were being made here to Mm -hmm. communicate like mise-en-scene was happening yeah i mean And this is one of the only parts of the movie where actually Ryan Philippe's just unhinged anger like fits and makes sense. Like it makes it it. tightens it so much more because I don't think any of the other three would have made the decision they made if they didn't have the gun to their head that is Barry's unhinged fucking screaming behavior. Just like yelling at them the whole time. Yeah, how would you do straight at all? Exactly. And here's the thing. I mean, like, that's a really good point. Because one thing I kept saying to myself over and over again, which you'll be able to see me do if you watch me watch it live on Patreon, Patreon, was like, why would you why would Freddie Prince Jr. and Jennifer Love Hewitt listen to Ryan Philippe, the guy you yeah. didn't let drive? He's yeah. wasted. Yeah. Like, he is not the one making smart decisions. Like, he is But he drunk. is the physical embodiment of how he- fucked up this is. He's covered in blood. He's screaming bloody murder. He's mm-hmm. wasted. Like, I think you'd just be afraid. Your brain would just click into, like, fight or flight. 
And I think you're right that throughout the rest of the scene, he continues to be so like unhinged and loud and he doesn't stop and he pushes and he pushes and he pushes that like not only are you dealing with the fear of like what you've done and what that may mean for the rest of your life, but you also are like overwhelmed at the amount of energy and anger and like – uh, like like threat of violence coming well, your at body you from is Ryan Philippay. Absolutely, trying to get you out of a dangerous situation. Your body mm-hmm. is just going, okay, then do what he says. I don't fucking know. Like trying to get you away from that. Like stress. you just can't. It's like arguing with a brick wall like that yeah. is advancing on you. You just can't like get through him. Yeah. And there's even a great moment where Sarah Michelle Gellar, and I was like, this is, she's so real for this. Sarah Michelle Gellar looks like she's going to throw up the whole time. Yeah. And there's a moment where she just turns around and tries to walk away. <laughs> Yeah. And Ryan Philippe like runs and gets her and he's like, no, we're like in this together. And okay, I really well, was like, she just tried to nope out. She was like, I don't know anything about this. Like, well, let's talk about really what they should have done, what the ramifications. So Jennifer, you were right. It is very, it builds tension very well that they don't know what they've hit at first. They're all just kind of freaking out. Is I don't see anything. Is everything okay? Like, is everyone okay? Like, they're just glad they're all alive. Jennifer mm-hmm. Love Hewitt finds a welly boot, which I thought was very funny. She finds the fisherman's boot first and then inches away from it, a foot away, she finds the dead body and she screams bloody murder, which isn't the wisest thing to do if you're going to just, I don't know, not tell anyone and dump the body. (laughs) But well, uh, some things are instinctual. I did write, why would you listen to Ryan Philippe? He's drunk and so fucking rude. Listen to Jennifer Hewitt. She's going to be a lawyer. And I do think that. To what we've been saying, if they weren't under the gun of this maniac, Jennifer Love Hewitt is talking about the way that they would not get in trouble for this. And that's what I want you and me to discuss for like five minutes. Because I did, in the the watch, I was like, all these fucking rich kids that live on the beach and none of them have a lawyer for a dad. None of them are like, I just don't Mm -hmm. even buy it. Like, how do you not realize that? This was an accident. They, the the victim, put themselves in a very dangerous situation. Ray's blood can be immediately tested for alcohol. And sure, mm-hmm. they're like, there's alcohol over the car. I think that's valid. I think that is a scary thing. It doesn't change what Ray's test results would be in that moment, mm-hmm. you know? And then he was like, they'll never believe you're, they're driving, which I think is fair, too. I think cops probably would never believe that he was driving. I think they're in a sticky situation, but I still think... An accident is an accident and it's an accident and you're not going up for murder. If right in that moment they call it in, especially since you come to know he didn't die. He's alive. If anything, you're in a ton of trouble for accidentally hitting a guy, which is a ton of trouble. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking out my ass. Maybe it's too much trouble. But it just seemed like I always feel this way where it's like saving a life is going to be what people are focused on. I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I do think you're right that it's like nobody knows a lawyer, like nobody knows what to do. Ryan Philippe, the richest guy in this group, would be the one that would like have somebody on speed dial that could make this go away for them. Like, dear Ryan Philippe, you're not going to jail. You're rich. Yeah, exactly. But two, (laughs) I was thinking like, this is where... I was like, oh, Freddie Prince Jr. is like not who they're trying to tell me who is. He is because Jennifer Love Hewitt is speaking sense. Sarah Michelle Gellar ha- does is saying nothing. She doesn't know what to do. Ryan Philippe is obviously acting completely unhinged. But Freddie Prince, she's looking at Freddie Prince Jr. For like he's going to help her be the voice of reason. And he is 
immediately like think about it this is a huge problem like they'll never believe us and I gotta be honest I don't know why they wouldn't believe you like they would do the test and say you weren't drinking and then it's like yeah but I do think that I I was the one driving and I'm like except everyone will say you were the one that's so true you have three people that would attest to that I mean I think it's a fair thing if Freddie Prince Jr. if we're to assume he is from the class background he's from to be like, they will take me down. Like, this won't matter. It doesn't matter that it was an accident. And I do think it's fair to say they might not believe those three kids who have every reason to say the only one that's sober wasn't was the one But driving. they have no proof of anything else. You know what I mean? Like, they'll yeah. have fingerprints on the car. They'll have the fucking bruises on Ryan Philippe's stomach from where yeah. he was flung against that. You know what I mean? It's like, that just is what happened. So it'll be the easiest thing, thing to, to defend. Prove. You'll be able to find things to prove it. Like... And that's how court works. Like, you have to prove it. <laughs> so especially since if Freddie Prince Jr. wasn't driving, it would not benefit those three kids. Like, it would not benefit Freddie Prince Jr. to take the fall for one of the three kids that was. You know what I mean? Like, he wouldn't. Yeah, I was like, I don't know why you would assume that they would be so... Um, I mean, like, I know you can't trust cops, but it's like Ryan Philippe. Why would you guys can? assume the cops would set you up? Everyone here. Yeah, right. Ryan Philippe can trust cops. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know why he would think that they would be so like eager to try to nail him for this. They wouldn't. <laughs> like the you would get away. Like I just didn't think that this made sense. And I was shocked at Freddie Prince Jr.'s like very quick agreement that like not only would Freddie Prince Jr. go down for this, which I think you could argue is fair as the only member of them that is like working class, doesn't have a dad, like all this stuff. But that's not even what he says. What he says is we would all go down for this. Yeah, that is weird. That is weird. And I was like, if I'm Sarah Michelle Geller or Jennifer Love Hewitt, it's like, I'm not going out for shit. <laughs> like, yeah. I, didn't, I mean, like, the I thing literally is did nothing wrong. Because they're drinking. <laughs> this is what always happens to kids. They're yeah, scared because they're drinking. They think that underage drinking is going to be some kind of implication that really, and it's just not. No one gives a fuck if you underage drink. I'm no sorry. One's even surprised. <laughs> it's like when people, their friend overdoses and they don't call the police because they're going to get in trouble for having drugs. It's like, no, no one gives a fuck that you have like a little bit of coke at your 21st birthday they give a fuck that your friend is dead like that's just not even a but you can't make those rational decisions because you are fucked up and you are a kid yeah you your know what I mean and like all you've heard are these like urban legends about yeah. like how hook people haunted you down yeah uh, like I do understand like I did think it was a lot of nonsensical leaps in judgment to get to the ultimately very extreme choice yeah. that we all decide but I think it's an interesting to thing take. to point out because they they kind of set up that maybe Freddie Prince Jr. is the bad guy in this movie and when you say yeah. that point where frankly only he would be getting in trouble if they stuck to the story of who was driving he would maybe get like a manslaughter or reckless driving if the guy lived whatever but when he yeah. then goes everyone's going down with it that does almost suggest some kind of nefarious like um i'm not gonna let you guys not also go down i won't go down for this alone like it's all of us and then once you get them afraid enough then you're not in it alone anymore you know and i think you can see in jennifer love hewitt that she's shocked yeah at his behavior yeah yeah, and it does it does well for later when they suggest he's the bad guy. You're like, well, we have seen a little bit of weird. I know he's shit. He is. 
yeah, making shady choices. And you, I think um, you wrote here, they try to do a class consciousness thing with Freddie Prince Jr., but they don't fully commit. And I agree. I think if he had outwardly said, easy for you to say, Barry, your dad's a doctor, my dad's a fisherman, you know what I mean? It would have yeah. hit more that he was so committed to just going with this fucked up crazy plan. I think you're right. Or if Ryan Philippe had preyed on Freddie Prince Jr.'s fear. Like if Ryan yeah, Philippe exactly. had been like, had like you're not like fear. us, you're the one that's going to go down for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that would have made it more aggressive. Yes. But really crazy, they they agree to move the body. Well, first, as dumb. they're having Immediately this freak dumb. out, Max, the creep from the party, comes through and he's wearing his like drug rug, his stoner knit hoodie. I know. I was like... Yeah, he These continues visual cues to I'm picking it's, up from Kevin Williamson. It's more of this, like, why this? Why is the sister so mean? Freddie Prince Jr. comes over, and they're very clearly trying to get rid of him because they're pretending that Barry is throwing up. They're they're covering the body with their own bodies, while mm-hmm. Jennifer Love Hewitt, who they know Max is in love with, tries to distract him. Freddie Prince Jr. comes over to try to get hurry him on his way and he's like hey buddy can I help you out with anything genuinely not being a dick I thought seemingly this is the best acting he does pretending to be normal and ask if he can help him with anything (laughs) and the guy's like wipe that smug piece of shit grin off your or whatever he says shit you know shit eating grin off your face and Freddie Prince Jr. Jennifer Love Hewitt oh yeah and Freddie Prince Jr. just goes we'll do man like just like I don't give a fuck right now just like keep driving and I was like, oh, who wrote this movie where it's like, you know how teens are to each other, like wildly, needlessly mean. It's so weird. But so then they just straight up all caps, literally put the body in the trunk. That's the part where it's like, now you've moved a body like. Yeah, you're you're fucked now. Such common sense. You Your hands, they have to get rid of that car. You can like literally, you have to get rid of a car once you put a body in it. Like the traces of DNA, the blood, the hair, and the tiniest things that you cannot pick up with. You can't clean a car so well that it can't be traced back to you once there's a body in it. It's the dumbest thing you can humanly do to put the body in the trunk of your car. And it's like your hair is all over the guy. Exactly. Like the the DNA now is is all over the guy. Absolutely. It's actually very hard to get away with murder with forensic evidence. And the second they go here, it's like, oh, like they actually have to get rid of the body and the car now, you know, like, yeah. So they take it down to the pier and they're like about to dump it in. Nobody wants to do it. And Jennifer Love Hewitt has another moment of like, she's like, it's not, you guys, too it's late. not too late. And she, Freddie and I was like, no, like it maybe. is too late. I know it actually is <laughs> like, too late now. I mean, here's what I don't like though. She thinks he's dead in that moment and she's still trying to do the right thing. And honestly, maybe it isn't. Like, I think if you called someone and you were like, we got really scared, we moved it here, we know we're in a lot of trouble, you would get tampering with evidence for sure. But you would have eventually been like, we backed out. We're not going to fucking hide this body. We're not going to let someone. We're just not going to do that. And I don't think necessarily you would get credit. But I also don't think she's totally off base that it's not too late. Yeah. But what really goes fucking off the deep end is when she notices he's lying there. This is important. And he has a tattoo of a girl's name on it. So that'll come back later. But what really goes off the deep end is when finally none of them are willing to do it. Freddie Prince Jr. says, I can't. I can't be a party to this. And it's fucking SMG that steps up. Helen is like, fuck this. I'll do it. So to your point, the way that they delineate this for people, she and Barry, the blondes, are who ultimately are like, fuck it. I can do it. And Mm -hmm. the guy is alive. He reaches up and grabs so her crown and it's like, okay, now if we're having the discussion about too late and not too late, 
you have now changed this from manslaughter and disposing of a body to actual murder. Those are actually different things. Like what you were doing before, if he was dead, if you hit him is fucked up and it's negligent and disposing of a body is creepy. But now you're going from he would have lived unless I killed him. Yeah, he would have lived except I killed him. You know what I mean? That's a different thing. Like they murder him now. Because in the panic, totally. uh, Barry just attacks him and bangs him over the head and knocks him into the water. And he's able to grab the crown off uh, Miss Croker Queen Helen, which the mm-hmm. fact that she's had this tiara on the entire time through <laughs> bumping uglies with Barry on the beach, through the wild fucking car accident and all the blood and the moving the body. And she just has it on her head the whole time. But they are obviously fucked if this body is found with her tiara. Okay, see, that's a good point, because when he goes over with the tiara and she screams, he has my tiara, I was like, literally, who cares? Oh, no, that's <laughs> huge, especially when you see later in the movie that she has to give that tiara back for the next a tiara winter. back, which like I, that's totally. minor. And she could have been like, I lost it. I was drunk. Who cares? But absolutely, if that body gets found in a fishing net and it's got the fucking Helen's got missing, the tiara. she is fucked. Absolutely fucked. I, it just didn't occur to me that the body would, like, hold on to the tiara. Like, I literally was like, if the tiara is in the ocean, like, you aren't going to want it back after this moment. Like, let it go. But I see what you're saying now. No, 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 for sure. And I mean, Barry knows, too, his ass is on the line. That's why he dives in. Mm. He wrestles it from a living person. I know. That's what's crazy is it's like, y'all be wild now. This whole plan was wild first. But now that you're like, fuck, 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 he's alive. Hurry, kill him. That's a totally other thing. And it's like it had to be Barry because he truly does not give a fuck that this guy is still alive. Yeah, he does. He is is falling through Because that's illustrating that like as the wealthy douchebag, like there are people that are expendable to him and that are less human than he is. I think that is the demonstration there. Yeah, it's just clear. After he's in the water, they're all fucking mind blown exhausted staring into the distance and um barry threatens everybody he's like no one will ever say a word of this again sarah michelle Gellar really quickly agrees but he like chokes out jennifer love hewitt until she agrees he fully and pretty much she doesn't do anything no he doesn't he kind of thinks barry's right And I think that they do a good job in this scene, like the actors in this scene do a good job of making it clear with their body language and with the like stiltedness of their dialogue that like these four people don't know each other anymore. Yeah. Like they these four people are going to leave this night. And they want to get away from each other pretty quick. Yeah. And they are never going to like they have all seen a side of each other. That means we aren't going to know each other going forward. Well, so they jump a year. And she is mm-hmm. at, in Boston at school. I mean, you can always assume they act like the, all these kids go to Harvard. But it's Duke <laughs> where the school is like standing in for. She's on the East Coast, but they filmed it at Duke. I, all I wrote about this scene with her at school is her hair is mad stringy now. There's no bounce. There's no body. They did crazy stringy bangs. Um, and she's like, they yeah, suggest I, that she just has not been herself the whole year. She's kind of haunted, if you will. Yeah, I said she can't turn back. She's haunted. Yeah, spider bangs and black choker. Um, but she's they <laughs> the set classic up that, like, college she's uniform. Going, yeah, she's going back to Southport for the summer. So it's been a year since she was last there. And I like feel for her mom. Her they go back to Julie's house. She's getting shitty fucking grades. Her mom's like, uh, should do is this an issue? And she's like, chill the fuck out, mom. And I'm like, bitch, you need to watch your tone. Um, I know at your Ivy League college know, that you're just I pissing know. away. Like, <laughs> and she's like. 
you know, are you on drugs or whatever? But she does say you look like death, which is like, we are still talking about Jennifer Love Hewitt here. Like, not a great point to make if that's like your point. Um, <laughs> but she's freaked out. She's super freaked out. And um, she's like, well, like, I can't fucking talk to your ass. But here's some mail that came for you. And there is no postage. Try and give me a letter that you say came for me in the mail that doesn't have postage on it. I am running the other way. You're dreaming. You are dreaming. You are not handing <laughs> There is that. anthrax in that envelope. Yes. The <laughs> only way to get a letter in my mailbox without postage is to have physically walked your creepy ass over here and put your swirmy little fingers in my mailbox. Absolutely not. I'm not opening it. She doesn't even hesitate. Stay away and from the mom. mom. I think yeah. if it was our mom going, hey, this came from you in the mail, she'd be like, and someone clearly dropped it off. That's weird, right? Like, who's not yeah. going to notice absent postage? So Julie's mom gets <laughs> docked for that. <laughs> she's but not thinking. Julie's mom's not thinking. She's not thinking. And she opens in it and says, this was the funniest motherfucking thing about this whole movie. She opens mm-hmm. it and it says, I know what you did last summer. Exclamation point. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the second part of our recap of I Know What You Did Last Summer, dropping tomorrow. I Know What You Did Last Summer is the property of Columbia Pictures. It was written by Kevin Williamson and Lois Duncan. I'm directed by Jim Gillespie. This episode of Second Showing is produced, recorded, and mixed by Connor Riley and Jordan Riley. Art by Connor Riley and music by Lee Rosavere. You can follow our podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and X, formerly known as Twitter, at Second Showing Pod, spelled with a number two. Send us a DM and we can mention you on the pod. You can join our Patreon for exclusive content and stream Second Showing anywhere you find your podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review.